Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network as uh, we are on the downward spiral of season six. Although it's not terrible yet, uh, we're no. getting there though. We're, we're getting, we're, we're getting some good. We're getting some bad, uh, and we did not do it. We are here to report on the death of a cast member. Oh. I'm so glad we recorded this week and not last week because that could have been ugly. Uh, but luckily, we're recording one week late where we didn't have the chance to say anything incredibly offensive. Uh, we will attempt to not say anything offensive this week. Um, this is episode number five of season six. Uh, the one we're getting introduced to Jack Bauer's family. That's right. Terry's back from the dead. Uh, <laughs> no, the other family. Uh, this will be very exciting. Uh, we get some disaster stuff in this. That's the good stuff to talk about. Uh, my name is Colin, and what are you talking about? And my name is Ben, and... I just have a really bad feeling about everything. Oh, it's so appropriate. Uh, and, and can I just say, <laughs> Terry Bauer back as a zombie? Probably a better storyline this season. I'd be on board. Hey, I mean, she would. She had amnesia for the last five years. Yeah. That would have been the explanation. I mean. Riding around on her, her, uh, her cougar? what do you call it? She, cougar, yeah. So Tony comes back next season and he was dead. And everybody accepted that more than this season. Um, can we just can we start out with the elephant in the room about dear old? I was about to say, yeah, uh, yeah. This is very awkward when this uh, happened this week when we are about to talk to him, talk about him. This is very well, strange. I woke up what two days ago or three days ago maybe for a message from you saying, "Well, this is awkward," and uh, this is uh, the actor who played Josh Bauer again introduced in this episode. Uh, his full name here is Evan Taylor Ellingson. Uh, great actor. Um, well, <laughs> bad care. I'm going to say bad character. Uh, I'm sure he's done some other good stuff, but we've already said we're not fans of his in the season leading season leading in. Um, I don't know if anything on this season is going to make it up, but all I could think was, wow, if we had recorded this last week, I guarantee we would have been canceled by now, or we would have had to have had one of those preemptive messages the following episode recorded before the untimely death of Evan Ellison. Um, yeah, he he passed away this week. I I don't know if there's uh, a cause of death that's been revealed or anything. Um, we're doing this as a tribute to him, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I did see that he did do one thing that I was from. Have you ever watched the show Titus? It lasted for a couple seasons. It was kind of like a small Fox like cult show in the early 2000s. No, no, I can't say I did. Okay, well, he played the young version of the main character. And I mean, I don't remember him specifically from that, but uh, you know, I, I like that show. So I'm assuming he was decent. See here, he was in uh, an ep- a couple episodes, quite a few episodes of CSI Miami. Well, um, yeah, that's that's what it was. I mean, I saw the headline on CNN and that's what they led with. It was like CSI Miami uh, actor Evan Ellingson hmm. passes away. And I sort of saw the photo and I'm kind of like, 
He looks kind of familiar. Like it said, <laughs> only thirty-five. This is pretty sad. So you know, I, like I don't really check in on CSI Miami actors. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I sort of not really my repertoire of shows. I religiously watch. I watched it for a little bit, but never, you know, couldn't tell you anything about it after all these years. But um, I just happened to click into it, and then when I when they said. Um, also known for his roles in 24. And I'm like, huh, oh, who did he play in 24? And when it said, like, Josh Bauer, I'm like, no. Like, <laughs> we're about to start talking about him. Like, it was actually one of those really, like, freaky yeah. moments. Um, and, look, I, 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 I'm going to put out a formal apology right now to the late Evan Ellingson and his family because everything that I say is going to be about his character, Josh Bauer, being yeah. easily... The worst character in 24 history alongside Ricky Schroeder when he comes in later on. And we have some very, very bad scenes this season when both of them are just by themselves on screen. But I like I having not seen him in many other things, it's hard for me not to separate him from this character because I don't think he's a very good actor in this season. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sure he is a great actor and I'm I'm terribly sad that he's part 35. He's ridiculously young. Yeah. That is tragic. He's one younger year younger than both of us. Yeah, one year younger than me. Uh, fifty-eight years younger than you. It's <laughs> it's very sad. Um, and you know, yeah, it's, at the time of recording this, a cause of death hasn't been announced. But yeah, I, I, it's just uh, ironic's not the word, but it's just one of these moments where, like, yeah, we killed Roger Moore. Yeah, we killed Sean Connery. Um, but then it's also a case. Our hands of, are clean. Didn't kill Matthew Perry. I'm glad about that one. But like, it's it's we're kind of getting into this period now of this show that we're covering where we're losing some. Some pretty prominent names in this show. We obviously lost yeah. Annie Wershing. Um, you know, we lost Itzen. Gregory Itson. Uh, we've lost a few others along the way. But, you know, we're, I mean, we're losing, like, these big names in seasons that we're covering. Obviously, Annie is going to be a big name we're covering next season. We've just covered Gregory Itson. Now we're about to cover Evan Neelingson. I mean, he's never a major star, but he's in this for two-thirds of this season. Uh, and it's just a little bit um, on the nose that the first week we're covering him, he dies that week. Maybe he's like, I did. I know they're going to bag me out. I, I'm not <laughs> for this world anymore. I can't do it. The Oz Network won't accept me. I'm going to go out peacefully. So maybe. May, I don't know, Colin. I, it, I'm, yeah. It, it's still no cause of death reveal. Not that I'm curious to know, but uh, the in case Oz anybody listening to <laughs> <laughs> Ben and Colin. They're at it again. I, we should remind people we're not, this isn't foreign territory for us, uh, you know, having some hatred towards a child actor on the show who died because we went through this with Megan in season two. She had been dead for years before True. we actually got to it. But uh, this is the first time it's happened, like right on the nose, right before we're about to start talking about it. But we will say rest in peace, Evan Ellingson. Uh, and I hope I find some positive things to say about you. This There's very little this week. So <laughs> we're going to build, we'll have a week to mourn before we actually get to uh, some of the more other stuff. Also, I wanted to fill you in. Uh, um, we have an answer, at least one answer so far to our poll of the season, team tabs versus team tables. Oh. Um, so so I actually had the day off yesterday and Jamie and I uh, took uh, my nephews. We visited my sister-in-law at her work. And while we're there, she shows me a text message that uh, my brother had sent her, which just said, Team tabs, Colin will get the joke, uh, which I immediately laughed. And I'm like, yes, it's from our podcast, which she didn't understand what it was. But we got one for team tabs. I think we were both sort of in the middle on that. But I'm, uh, I'm both. Tabs well, tables. we're all going to go. We're, yeah, we're going to go for team tabs right now because that's leading. Uh, okay. But anybody else wants to tell us whether you're team tabs or team tables, you got the rest of the season to chime in. Uh, there we go. We're on the board. Um, this episode, 
I, I just want to say, I, I, I'm pretty sure you said you binned like nine straight episode coming up. Oh, more than nine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not binning this episode. Oh, I'm get definitely out of town. I am not binning it. I am not buying it. Oh, but the first 20, well, the first 20 minutes of this episode saves a lot of the other stuff that happens afterwards. And what happens afterwards is not bad. It's just, it's all sort of like, okay, I know where this is going and I know that I'm not a fan of this. Uh, but that opening 15, oh. 20 minutes, which is basically disaster response. This is what we miss in so many other seasons where it's like, oh, we get that quick reaction. And by the next episode, they're over it. Even by the end of this episode, we still see like Marilyn has it on the TV where she's flipping through channels and they're still talking about it. But like the early stuff here, everybody's reactions, particularly seeing Jack on the scene with helicopters on houses like that stuff's good entertainment. Look, I don't disagree with you at all. I, th- I think I want to correct my uh, assessment of when 24 jumped off the cliff. 24 jumped off the cliff and I've literally written it down at the 27 minute and 25 second mark of episode five. Everything before that of this episode, I 100% am on board with you. It's brilliant. This is what I want. I want to see people panicking. Ah, there's a nuclear bomb. There's a helicopter on the roof. There's reactions. There's going into a war room. You've got an admiral who wants to bomb freaking uh, Yemen and all the other Arab countries that are there. They're ready to go. Like, this is what I want. This is reaction. This is a nuclear bomb gone off in the United States of America. And yet at the 27 minute mark and 25 second, what happens? We turn into days of our 24. And I'm, oh. I mean, listen to our nipped up coverage. I'm one for soap opera storylines every day. We're talking about it here in 24. Like it, it works. Lost, third watch. They've all had a Breaking Bad even had elements of it. I'm not anti-soap opera. But when you have such a significant drop, and I'm sorry, any episode that ends with Jack Bauer putting a plastic bag over his brother's head, we have a scene in which Jack Bauer's brother, who we found out is Bluetooth guy from last season out of nowhere, has a very over-the-top Young and the Restless moment with Marilyn, maybe the third worst character in 24 history. Um, it's just, it's so dramatic of a twist. Like, it's worse than the Gregory and stuff last year with Logan. I just... I can't stomach it. I really can't stomach it. And like, again, watching this live, I wasn't anti this storyline. I was on board. You're watching yeah. it live. You don't know what's happening. But I think this is where a rewatch really does hurt it because you know that this just keeps going downhill. And I just, yeah, the the stuff with his dad and his brother is just so dramatic. And even on this rewatch, I sped rewatch this a year ago when I was hating on it. This time around... Like, I love Paul McCrane, but oh my God, that scene with him and Marilyn with the literal head turn, like Days of Our Lives. Yeah, I I, I can't, no. I, I agree with you completely that the first part of this episode is incredible, but it just, it. I don't know if I can think of a TV show that takes such a dramatic turn, literally on a finger click. It's like when Chloe is looking at the screen, he's going, oh, look at this, like name 13, and you got Milo going like, oh, my God. Like, that's literally them reading the script from that point of the episode, yeah. going, oh, my God, this this was good until now. What's happened? Oh, there goes Miami for this season, yeah. <laughs> says Eric Belfour. Um, I'm, I'm going to get <laughs> – sorry, Eric. <laughs> Congratulations. Should have been nominated. Should have been three-time nominated Emmy nominee, Eric Belfour. <laughs> He's like, this is my year. I know it. <laughs> yeah, give him an Emmy show, It's going to be me. What's wrong with you, Emmys? Eric Belfort, best, Jew. Best use of concealing their dong on camera, that Eric Belfort. That man's got a massive <laughs> penis, all right? You have any idea how long that takes to put up makeup to cover a bulge in his pants? Best makeup for the Emmys, Eric Belfort for his doodle. <laughs> uh, let's do the Palmer drama first. Uh, I guess both sides of the Palmer drama. I'll kind of combine it because there's not that much going on either. 
Uh, the Wayne side, and, and again, I like all this, even though it is just a lot of talk around the table. Uh, starting it off, we still have that shock expression. I love that the nuke is on the news so quickly because we ended the last one and they're watching like satellite feeds and everything. And now we open a minute later and the news, just the news, the way it covers, like a mushroom cloud has been spotted over Los Angeles and radiation could be on its way. Which mistake though, did you pick up on the mistake when you we open up with no. Fox News? The unthinkable has happened. A nuclear bomb <laughs> has been detonated on the United States. As it did like four years ago as well. Well, <laughs> in, in all fairness, that was the Mojave Desert. They, that's that, that, true. That's, that's yeah. That that's like if 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 here in Canada, a nuclear bomb has been detonated in Canada, and they're like, what about that time it happened in Regina? We're like, well, that's Saskatchewan. Who is really it, cares? Isn't California fucked as well? Like, I mean, Ukraine. You can't go to Chernobyl. It's been like forty years later, and they're only yeah. just opening parts of Pripyat or whatever it's called. And there's a whole well, area around that you can't go. Two have gone off in the last four years. Fuck. <laughs> The 28-28 Olympics aren't happening at this rate. I'm telling you now. They already have enough trouble getting anything but palm trees to grow there. So now the palm trees are going to be gone. Like, that what are they going to do? Strike. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> They're done. Um, no, I, but I like that, that we have the news coverage and just seeing everybody's expressions. Like, to me, it actually, it, it, it gave me like this weird chill of terror to watch it, to see everybody's reactions. Wayne and his whole staff watching this and like almost speechless. Uh, and then when they're they're talking about like the death projections and they're saying, oh, at least 10, 12,000, I think it's Lennox who says at least 12,000 people have died at least. And that's just to start with, because obviously radiation plays into a little bit later in this episode. Uh, they're talking about moving him to the bunker. Now, this is different. I know we say Wayne is the worst president and there is stuff in this episode that backs him up being a, a bad president. But I like that Wayne almost owns being a bad president in this season. Yeah. Uh, but but this is the one point where he's the one good president because David Palmer, we're going to move with bunker. No, no way. I'm staying here with my people is a, a sign of strength. And Wayne's like, we're going to move you to the bunker. He's like, all right, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like pushing, it down there anyway. <laughs> pushing Karen out of the way on his way down there. <laughs> Did you get my um, Cheetos? <laughs> uh, but he's talking about preparing a speech. Um when they get down the war room, there's another incredible moment here. Uh, I did forget to go over who uh, uh, directed this episode and everything. You did. not uh, I had the dates and birthdays up already. I was prepared, but hey, cool. You know, oh, whatever. okay. Well, let's let's quickly get into it now. This episode was uh, written by Joel Sternow and Michael Osef and directed by Milan Chelov. That's a name we haven't seen before. How many episodes has this guy done? Oh, hopefully uh, none more after this. Well, he only does... T- this is his first episode ever of 24. He did this and I guess the following episode. And then Hell. he'll do four in season seven. 10 in season eight. He does almost half of season eight. And then two would live another day. Yeah, well, he uh, but, gets better uh, at least. A long time uh, away. Good. Well, but, but I think he's good even in this with what he has to work with because just the small detail of when they're going into the war room, they're talking about you know, the, as many members of the cabinet are being uh, sent here uh, right away. And the others are being moved to Station R. Yeah. <laughs> just give it like Where's a, that? I mean, if this is the James Bond universe, that stands for Rio or yeah. or some other place that starts with that. Regina. That's where it is. We're sending them off to Regina, Saskatchewan. As they should be. Uh, but uh, then there's this moment where, where the door closes. Everybody just sort of does this quick, like, turn back. It's not like a dramatic dun-dun-dun. They just turn and look back like, all right, we're locked in here. This is for good. Uh, <laughs> Wayne's going to have some bad times this season. But it's 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 another kind of, like, chilling moment in here. Um they uh they, they have the list of the CIA uh names and everybody who's denying us and they're kind of around the war table here. Um they're uh talking about oh which country is it? Well, they've all denied it, but one of them must be lying. And of course, well, 
maybe none of them are lying. Uh, and I do love Lennox here. Like Lennox is on fire every yeah. episode, but but here Peter McNichol where he says, "Don't interrupt the president." <laughs> just, so good. To, to this, this general or admiral, I love that. Um, and uh, there's a great Wayne moment here. This is why I say he's owning being a bad president, where they're talking about how this happened. You know, there's a, a scientist who we believe that this went off when they were trying to move the bomb. We think that they they just detonated because they had no other choice. And then he says, the scientist that I cleared to release. And it's just this moment where everybody's like, yeah. Yep, yeah. you did. That's you how, suck. That's how it happened, yeah. I voted for Logan. Uh, um. <laughs> just one on the record. I voted for Logan. Uh, and then another great uh, moment here where they're discussing everything and they're talking about how they're going to present this. I think it's Karen who's talking about, oh, the, the incident, the terrorist incident this morning. And then Lennox is like, incident, it was a nuclear bomb. And of course, he's using this as a backdoor way to be like, we need to get more aggressive with our measures, which in reality, you kind of have to. I mean, there's a reason that martial law exists. I mean, maybe you don't have to be rounding people up and putting them, you know, uh, in these internment camps. But he's saying we just had a nuke Atlanta. This is worst case scenario. This is the Mojave Desert. This is what Pasadena or wherever it's supposed to Valencia. be. Uh, uh, Valencia. Yeah, this is a populated 12,000 people dead. But him just saying a nuclear bomb is not an incident. I'm like, I agree with this guy. You go, Lennox. Uh, and then we kind of end with the presidential address. Uh, the Sandra stuff. Um, it's just Waleed who's basically being set up as a mole now. Sandra objects to it, uh, objects to him being wired, objects to everything. Uh, and then we have uh, Waleed going to the, the the guy who earlier was saying, oh, yes, this will be a day of reckoning for the United States or whatever it is he says. And th this guy's now not talking. So tell me more about these terrorist plans that you have intimate knowledge of. And the guy's like, excuse me, who are you? Do I know you? <laughs> uh Oh, you're the guy who I gave the mineral water to. That's who it was. <laughs> uh, but uh, they're not willing to talk to him. So they basically do this interrogation charade where they grab Waleed, they drag him in there, make sure the windows are open so everybody's peering in. Like, tell us what you know. We know you got information for all your contacts and everything. They not really pretend. They actually do kind of rough him up a little bit after telling Sandra he's not going to be hurt. Uh, and they put a wire on him. Uh, send him back out. So now the charade is just setting up. This is the guy you could talk to. And they basically do a big huddle. They do a group huddle. Yes, you are one of us, brother. Uh, who are, what's your name again, by the way? <laughs> uh, and then they do that little America. huddle thing. <laughs> and then I like uh, the the um, uh, agent here who's always at odds with Sandra where he's uh, saying, you know, the only reason you're here is because your present sister. And then she's like, and you just remember that will be fine. Like, ooh, somebody's got it. Yeah, somebody's, somebody's got a bit of attitude and sass now. Um, and that's basically it. We're going to get more with Waleed next week. Next week is next week his last episode. I think uh, we counted said it was only six or yeah, eight. Yeah, you might see him in the hospital. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> this storyline's already wrapping up. And I think this is just the frustration with the Sandra's character and with, with Harry Lennox is that you brought them in. You threw a couple scenes in there in the first couple episodes. And then this story only takes off here in episode five. And it's basically going to be wrapped up in a week. And this, to me, this doesn't demand the amount of screen time it's being given, especially when there are better stories you could probably be telling at this point. I mean, Josh is there now. There's much better things we could be telling with these characters. Maybe not. Uh, anyways, yeah, that's the Palmer drama on both sides. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I I like the reaction, but again, this is just Ben nitpicks little things, which I realize you can't do. But like, I, I like the reaction. I like the overreaction. But like, again, this is just like the 747 goes down in the Mojave Desert. You forget about this. I mean, this is... This is a problem with launching a new, like detonating a nuclear bomb in a major city. Is that if you're not going to go full like apocalyptic uh, riots and things like that, like you're going to have to have these questions because, yeah, you can probably get away with it in the Harvey Desert at two in the morning. 
you know, like, I mean, that's something a little bit, this is in suburban Los Angeles. I'm looking here at a map. They have literally chosen like the furthest, like Northwest you can basically go of LA. Although there is a, a website, it's called, it's like a nuclear um, bomb simulator, essentially. Um, what sick mind decided it's a nuclear bomb? Can we see what happens if you put it in Regina? That, well, you, you could, but like it's <laughs> it's literally like I, I remember this like was one of these viral things a few years ago where you can like it's just got like a world map and it's got like different types of bombs and it sort of shows you what like the fallout and everything would be. So I'm doing it here right now. I don't know what the yield is of the nuclear bomb. Sorry, um, I've just chosen the Davy Crockett smallest US bomb produced because I'm assuming it's a suitcase bomb, so not that big. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is giving me that it has a fireball radius of 16.6 meters, a blast danger of 59, moderate damage. As I tell you, like death radiation goes for 428 meters, so that's a pretty small one. Um, so that's maybe too small. I would feel the other one's probably a little bit big. Oh, okay. crude terrorist nuclear weapon. Let's go with that one. Detonation. Yeah. Okay. So the radius is not that huge. Cause I'm, I'm looking at that going like the convenient thing of the news. Oh, the wind's blowing North. Uh, so everyone's safe. And I'm looking here. What is North of, uh, Valencia? Well, Lancaster's fucked. Uh, there's a town called Grapevine, uh, Bakersfield. Isn't that where, uh, oh, the, uh, Aunt Carol or whatever it is, isn't it? No. Oh, no, no. Maybe Aunt Carol isn't. I'm thinking Castaway. Bakersfield. Bakersfield. Oh. No, isn't Baker, don't they land at Bakersfield? There's Bakersfield in like season two or something. There's definitely Bakersfield. Yeah. Fresno. Oh, is North? that where, yeah, is that where the airport was with, um, uh, what's her name's sister? Uh, yeah. Marie. Yeah. I think it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fresno's North. So, I mean, you know, fucking hell. Bye bye, Fresno. Bye bye, Bakersfield. <laughs> um, But like, it's just. Again, you've got this panic and nuclear bomb, and within a week, you're just going to forget about it. Nuclear bombs going on in LA. Why is there not martial law? Gregory Itson, I keep calling him by his own breath in peace. Logan <laughs> puts martial law because there might be terrorist attacks going on. Again, Palmer, you're a shit president. Martial law, lockdowns. Yeah. 9-11 is an example. You shut down New York City. <laughs> no one could come in or out of Manhattan within an hour of those planes going in the building. Not a nuclear bomb. Palmer, you're a mm-hmm. terrible president. But I do like the some of the lines he's got here. DB Woodside does has a pretty good episode. Um, I do I like I like this set. Um, I, and I like the opening shot actually of this episode. I love it. I think that might be the first time we've ever got an establishing shot of the White House, which is fantastic. Um, but yeah, I love this set where they go into the bunker, and this is this is what we get for the rest of the season from from the president yeah. and future vice president. This is it. Um, so it's it's a great location. And I like his address to the nation, although it kind of bit of time there, old uh, old Wayne. Like if a nuclear bomb's gone off, you've taken an hour. Like, come on, chop chop, people are people are worried. Um, and yeah, the the Sandra stuff. Like, <laughs> I do I do love like this show in the toilet when they're bashing it up. Where's your wallet? Do it. Say this name. <laughs> Fuck you, stupid terrorist. <laughs> We're doing this for show. Screw you. And then I actually do like. I'm terribly sorry. <laughs> 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 Regina King doesn't sound like, but I li- actually I like this guy, your Star Trek guy. He does a good job, and he's just basically like, yeah. like we've got to make it look real. And I, and I hate terrorists. So I'm going to punch the shit out of them. But um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that he's only in it like properly for another week, um, before he's just in a hospital bed. Oh yeah, because I just looked on the the wiki page, and uh, well, there's a bit of a spoiler for what might happen to him uh, as like the main image they have on next week's episode. Yeah, but I mean it's. It's fine. Like, I mean, again, it's, it's, I, I, I think they're taking a page from the Logan book with having Palmer question himself because, you know, we mm-hmm. obviously never had that with David. 
Um, you know, we never really got enough of that with Keeler to be able to see that. And we'll get a bit of that with Taylor. But like, I think I, I, I like, I like it when you kind of humanize a president a little bit. I think that's what makes yeah. like the West Wing such a good show. Uh, Designated Survivor was such a good show. You, you know, and that was obviously heavy, relying a lot on Kiefer's character not being qualified for it. That was the whole premise of the show. Even Gina Davis in Commander-in-Chief, which there's a reference in the book this week to that, which I want to bring up when we get to it eventually. But um, yeah, but I, I like, I like D.B. Woodside. I really do. But I just... I don't know if he has that presidential range that some of the other actors who play the president have. I don't know. Like, I feel like he yeah. he's but- good. He's Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying D.B. Woodside does not make a good fictional president, but there are definitely ways and means that he goes about it that just doesn't quite stick the landing compared to an Itzen or a, or a um, Dennis or a Cherry I- next season. And this is where I think, well, obviously it wasn't the intention because none of this had happened yet, but this is where it plays almost better now that we're sort of living in this age where people just get elected because their family member is with somebody else. You know, that's the current Canadian prime minister. You know, he definitely hey. struggled a little bit. Well, he he had some issues with public speaking in the beginning as Beautiful well. You know, man. leave him out uh, of this. As is D.B. Woodside. See, they're one and the same. But uh, But I think looking at it from the lens of, this isn't so unrealistic now to think that he just got elected because he was David Palmer's brother after David Palmer was assassinated. And then seeing now that like he does have those issues with this was my fault, I'm, I think I'm coming around on him as a character. And maybe it wasn't the, the point. It was not what they're intending. It's just I think it's something that ages better than they ever intended yeah, it to. I agree. I, I think you you hit the nail on the head there. And I, I, I have always liked Wayne as a character. I really do. I um, And, and yeah, no, I think you, you sum it up well there. I mean, it's... I also do think it's the writers going, hey, people like the Palmers as president. Let's all of a sudden have him mm-hmm. back as a... Like, I mean, it's it's that. And I also think Wayne unfairly gets lumped into a terrible season as president. And what happens to his character is maybe one of the worst things that they ever do to a character in the show. It's so open-ended, ambiguous, and he literally gets killed off mm-hmm. in a blurb on a newspaper thing that if you only freeze frame, I think it's in Redemption or next season. So, like, literally... It's, it's worse than, uh, what's his face from Lost last season, the German guy who, like, just, you know, disappears and you think he's going to come back. This is even worse. So, um, yeah, anyway. Can I also just point out, don't you love the way that they killed Curtis off in the preview uh, from the, the review from last week? And then basically, I think, like, literally in the previously on 24 section and then when you get Chloe says it in this episode, that, I think, was everybody's first confirmation that Curtis had died. And that was kind of just like this moment of just passing where you're like, oh, yeah, Curtis got shot last week. All of a sudden, let's bring back the the feedback that, uh, you know, oh, he's dead so that we can just move on to this non-existent nuclear bomb. Yeah. And I was specifically watching, too, uh, the previously on, like, where does he get shot in the neck? Does it graze <laughs> his neck? Does it go straight through? Do we see his Adam's apple explode all over? Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, <laughs> didn't quite look as vicious uh, on the rewatch. Um, so I, the rest of the stuff here, uh, we'll, we'll kind of tie the beginning of Jack in with the, the villain stuff, which is a small part of the plot, but, uh, still be important. Uh, Jack, when they just him watching that cloud appearing is amazing. You got that civilian guy, Chuck, Chuck, the civilian Chuck. who comes, help me, help me, help me. There's a helicopter on my house or whatever it is. Uh, I do love where Jack's like, oh no, don't go, don't leave. Don't go that direction because of the radiation. The guy goes, what, what, what are you talking about? 
Did he not notice the mushroom cloud that is towering well, above Valencia right he, now? He was in a helicopter and he said the, he, he's in, in shock because he didn't know why he crashed. And then Jack's like, oh, it was a shockwave. There was a nuclear bomb. So he obviously doesn't. He's like, crash a helicopter. He's like, fuck, help me. So I think I think it makes sense. Uh, uh, I, I I think that I would probably notice the mushroom cloud towering over the city. Or I'd probably notice the, the giant flash before the shockwave too. What was that? What is that giant flash over there? That kind of looks like a cloud. Whoa, what was that big bump? <laughs> that's for Miller. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, this stuff with the helicopter and the, the, I was going to say the tree on the house is great. I mean, just the budget, the effects, like the fact that this season, they, they had as much success with season five that they were able to afford some of these bigger budgeted special effects. Seeing Jack crawl on top of the house, wedge the door open and then get these guys out just for the sparks everywhere. The helicopters are crashing on the ground. That's fantastic. Well, it's actually, uh, can and, I just, can I just add, I think this might be part of that ahead. same, you know how we had that uh, when they blew up the house the other week thinking it was um, Al-Assad. I think this might be part <laughs> of the same complex because in the book it says that uh, the special effects supervisors, San and Scott Blackwell, revealed that the house helicopter crash into is actually part of an eminent domain subdivision, the LAX, that productions frequently use for demolition shooting. So I think it might be part of the same uh, area that they did that. The same it, area. It does look epic. It's, it's a great set. Uh, and uh, the, I, I'm pretty sure I caught it that uh, as Jack is calling Bill here to unquit. Sorry, Bill, you know how I said five minutes ago I quit CTU? already replaced you with Ricky now? Schroeder. Yeah, we already got Ricky here. What are we going to do? Um, but do we actually see, um, what's his name, uh, Fayed, drive, our good friend here, Fayed, we see him drive past, because I'm pretty sure you see out of his window the helicopter on the, the yeah, roof. because he's the one who nearly hits that girl in the street, so when everyone's going like, ah, like like that little girl runs in the street, and he's just like, yeah. but like, yeah, you do, because you, you get a lot of like uh, good old uh, Adoni in this episode just looking almost like sad that he's done it. but i think he's more pissed off at the fact that he's like blown up like he's and mm -hmm. you know accidentally blown this bomb up and he's lost his he's lost his scientists he's sad yeah well and, and now he's got to call up his his good friend here which oh. i don't know if you knew the trivia about this so, so this guy that he calls up uh the the he's in a couple of episodes here was in darren yeah, mccarthy too many uh too many Darrens or too many, too many accomplices? Episodes. This guy, don't even get me started. Well, what, okay, I love the introduction of him. Like, uh. I don't remember what my feelings are of him for the whole season, but I love this introduction where he's like, all right, I'm out of here. I'm on my way to Vegas. He goes, what if I double your money? That is tempting. <laughs> uh, and then when he eventually picks up his girlfriend uh. and she's like, oh, I'm standing out here. People are mistaking me for a hooker. Because it's funny because I don't remember he picked up a girlfriend here. But uh, uh, when I'm seeing this, I'm like, why is he picking up a hooker? And then, of course, she says, people think I'm a hooker standing out here on the corner during a nuclear explosion. Uh, but this this role was apparently supposed to be Eddie Izzard. I don't know if you do oh, read that actually, trivia. No, I did know that. Some, as soon as you say that, that rang a bell. Because obviously yeah. they... They have a lot of like sort of uh, people of the British persuasion doing cameos in this season because a lot mm -hmm. of people were fans. I mean, they get Stephen Fry as a prime minister in a couple of seasons. So, yeah. Yeah. Big in Britain. We've never really it, talked about that. 24 was huge in Britain. Uh, yeah. I mean, Eddie Izzard was actually it was it was only because of the last minute he had another project which he couldn't get out of. But he had signed on to play this Darren McCarthy role, which would have been great. I would be more on board with this if this was Eddie Izzard. Thank you. Well, can, <laughs> I could just imagine like current Eddie Izzard, you know, where he decides to do interviews wearing a dress and stuff like that. <laughs> Eddie Izzard in a dress. I'm on my way to Vegas. And then he's picking up his hooker girlfriend. That would have been a, I see it as a Eddie Izzard. Eddie, yeah. Like, again, like yeah. I, it, it definitely like this is a very Eddie, like even this actor, I think they've gone out of their way to get. <laughs> someone slightly Eddie Izzard-esque. Yeah, with a dress. Yeah. Eddie Izzard in a dress. I'm on board.
at even the dress. That's what we needed. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so he uh, he picks her up and then he's on the phone. I love the moment where she's complaining and, oh, I don't want to, where, where should we go to Vegas right now? And I'm not a hooker. And she's like, stop talking now. <laughs> just like that. Uh, he's basically just placing some phone calls. He's like a go-between guy for Graham here. We'll, we'll get into the rest of the Graham stuff later. But uh, uh, yeah, I don't know if you have anything you want to add on this uh, the evacuation process, uh, 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 Eddie Izzard and Fayed and this guy. No, look, I, the, the stuff with Jack and the helicopter is great. I love this. I want more of this. And it's just it's it's just taken away from us. I mean, even Kiefer, just like him, like this is one of these rare episodes where they take what they had from Jack and don't just blink and miss like i mean my criticism of tony's quote death and the follow-up was just jack was on the phone next minute oh well tony's dead moving on like i still want him having a bit of a tear in his eye i still want him to like take a moment to recover i want him in that room with kim when chloe comes up to him are you okay no like you got to humanize jack sometimes you really do and they do at the beginning of this episode when you've literally got jack still just fucking like he's staring at this cloud he doesn't know what to take and then that phone call with bill when he's basically like, um, you know, like, I'm back. And Bill's like, oh, I thought you'd quit. And he's like, not after this. Like, you're like, yeah, fuck yeah, Jack Power, yeah. Revenge, America. Like, that, that's what I want. And then again, they quickly, you know, piss that down the toilet when he's putting a bag over his brother's head. Um, but, yeah, I love all that. This this guy, like, it's just, uh, I, I think they're trying to inject a bit of comedy into something with this. And I, I see what they're doing doing with this character i do but like again maybe that's just where the eddie is a bit would have made this better he annoys the fuck out of me darren like and this woman like and just because i don't do you remember who the guy is that they get to help them with the the chip do you remember who it is no like this entire plot i'm like oh i kind of recognize this guy but i don't remember where any of this goes i'm not spoiling it for you then but like i I hate (laughs) this plot i hate eddie izzard i hate who they get i hate it um it annoys me maybe again i'm just super negative on this season so i just get even angrier at the little things that you probably won't dislike and that's fine but yeah i know where this is going and it annoys the fuck out of me because it's just it's one of these convenient plot lines that they've got to use to create extra drama mm. um i i just want to give you a bit of a prop and i'm not just saying this about adoni because uh at the time of recording this we're interviewing him in the in the following week so we'll probably air this uh i'm i'm assuming maybe in this next week or so we'll work that out but I actually want to give props to him because he doesn't really have a lot to do in this episode. But I kind of do mm. like this sort of just underrated performance of him kind of panicking and kind of he's like, I like him like looking around at the destruction that he's seeing because he's, he's not a sympathetic villain. He's not one of these ones yeah. who sort of regrets his decisions. I, I, I like a villain who's just straight down the barrel. I want to kill people. But like you just kind of see this sort of look at him and it's almost just a frustration because this isn't his plan. You want to blow up Valencia? 12,000 people? Please. Like, he wanted to blow this up at a Lakers game or, like, downtown or something like that. So, um, Hollywood, oh, these damn actors on strike. I want to watch my favorite show. I'm going to blow you all up. Um, I want to see the Hollywood sign collapse. Oh, we just fixed that thing a couple decades ago. We only dropped down the O and the D. Damn it. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, just an underrated, like, little performance from him. And we get the uh, the first mention of uh, our, our Russian guy that is going to sort of be the... Gredenko. He's going to be the... Um, I guess the you think is the new villain when mm-hmm. uh, Fayed doesn't really go away as a villain and then it's kind of uh, Jack's dad is the villain. Um, but, yeah, like uh, underrated performance by him. But, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm not on board. This is where everything's really going downhill, downhill for me. So I, I don't have a lot of positives to say moving forward here. <laughs> 
Uh, the CTU stuff, so not terribly important. We'll just quickly cover that before getting all, all the Jack and Graham. Props to, uh, props to Mary Lynn at the beginning of this episode. And Morris, too. Yeah, because yeah. we're seeing her. You know, she's really responding. Again, You don't, she's not the character you normally would go to to actually do this. Everybody has those reactions. Milo, Bill, everybody. Oh, but it's Milo. Chloe that's actually... <laughs> yeah, well, Chloe's the one who gets to verbalize in this. Like, I can't believe this is happening. Like, what is going on? Um, but uh, I, I do find it a little bit far-fetched when they're talking about, oh, where are all our field teams? It says, well, all of our field teams are at ground zero. Now, I know that you were probably trying to divert everybody you could to intercept this bomb where you thought it was before they had it active. But the idea that a city the size of Los Angeles, that you could get every field team you have there and they're all killed by the bomb. I mean, Jack's, you know, barely outside the radius and he's alive. Like somebody's still alive here. I mean, Ricky Schroeder's alive, right? Um, Don't remind me. (laughs) We, we got a nice Karen and Bill call here. Just sort of checking in. Uh, and then Chloe and Morris um, and, and Chloe having this one dramatic moment. It's like people I know keep dying. Like I, I just want Morris to be like, have you ever thought that you might be the problem? <laughs> but, but, I, but I'm actually wondering here. I'm like, this, isn't this the line of work? Like it's CTU. People die every day. This is the, the most dangerous job in Los Angeles. This shouldn't be new to her. Uh, yeah, like, people I know keep dying. Imagine Carlo Rota just like, all right, I'll take a step back here. So, uh, but then she has. Her, her, I'm not feeling well. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to take a sick day. <laughs> uh, but there's this moment where she's talking about all the sockets that aren't opening or something like that. And she says to Morris, want to help me boot up some routers? And he goes, who wouldn't? I love that line. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're really good together. Uh, Assad arrives at CTU. I, again, I, I feel like they're just kind of dragging out the Assad thing here. Although it is nice that uh, unlike some of the past couple seasons we've had where he's just over it right away, there is this entire episode is all reaction to this guy's a terrorist and he's responsible for Curtis dying now, our friend, our coworker. Uh, they do a little bit of questioning of him. Uh, he, I love the line that he has. He says, I'm not your enemy today. And I'm like, okay, but what about yesterday? Uh, Nadia does all the interrogation of him off camera. Uh, and then she basically comes back with a report. So I think he's telling the truth. He actually did come here for peace. Uh, Morris has a nice little moment where he uh, mocks him a little bit. It's like, oh, okay, so the guy's responsible for terrorist acts over the last 20 years. Oh, would you like a mineral water? Oh, is the room temperature okay for you? Um, it, he basically, they, they've now tied this where they're looking through all the, the contact names and this, they, they come up with the name Gradenko and then they cross-reference it and this is where they find that it belongs to, uh, what is it called? BXJ Technologies or something like B. Arthur Technologies is what it belongs to. Uh and as soon as they say that, like they draw this out well. And I can remember the, for the first time, I don't think that I knew that uh, it probably was not announced that this was going to be like Jack's family. Because I'm pretty sure that you find out Graham is his brother in this episode too. But this moment where they're like, oh, G, G, X, Arthur Industries or whatever. Uh, and then Chloe goes, I got to show this a bill. She shows it to him on the screen. And of course, drags it out a bit. She could just say, by the way, uh, Jack Bauer's dad's involved. She goes, look at your screen. <laughs> okay, you want to just tell me what's on the screen? Uh, but then he says, Philip Bauer's company. Um, and then they, they kind of mention here that Jack hasn't talked to him for like nine years or something like that. Um, uh, and they do place the call to Jack. I'll just... I'll pick up the rest of the Jack stuff after this, but the Jack phone call where they tell him it's about, uh, oh, this is B. Arthur Industries and uh, your dad, and we're going to send somebody to question your dad. Like, why is he, didn't he just say five minutes ago, every field agent is dead in this explosion in all of Los Angeles, but they got somebody to send to him. Uh, But Jack says, no, 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 he won't talk, but uh, though there's a chance if I go alone. Uh, uh, So he calls Sam here, Sam at the house or Sam at the office where this is supposed to be. Uh, (laughs) 
Oh, sorry. <laughs> I see Feeling pain. sick. <laughs> uh, so he calls up Sam, and then he's saying, "Oh, your dad's not here right now." Uh, he says, "Oh, what about my brother?" Um, I don't know. You could try him. Uh, and uh, we talk about uh, uh, dad having regrets uh, or whatever about how everything went down with them. So you get there's some history here. And now uh, I, I really don't remember that much about what my the reveal was. Although I do remember that moment we're to next where you have Graham and you realize, oh, this is Graham Bauer. And when Jack's calling him and everything um, that I actually remember. And I actually really, really remember being like, whoa, that's a good twist. Uh, I don't think that I was quite looking at the dad as a villain. I'm, I think that's kind of the intention, although great. It's, it's the fact that Graham starts covering. We'll, we'll cover more of the Graham stuff, just sort of like the reveal here that he's involved, but uh, he's still gagging. But uh, the the reveal of Graham is this guy from season five. I remember being like, ooh, that's a good twist. And he's Jack's brother. And I think the fact that Graham is who he is, you're not thinking the dad, whereas everybody else is like, there's something about the dad. The fact that Graham's there takes your attention off of what his dad might be coming up. Look, I'll get to that in a second. Just two quick things on the Assad and, and CTU stuff. Um, I, I do, I like the Bill and Karen call, although it's it's clearly exposition. It's clearly like they've got to, because people are, are doing an us. What about the radiation? What about the fallout? Like LA, everyone. Yeah. So it's literally just, are you okay? Yes, I'm well out of way of the radiation. It is blowing to the north. Let's never mention that again. How are you? <laughs> um, so it's basically that. There's, there's there's two very funny mistakes in this season, and I think they improve it slightly with Karen when she comes back to L.A. Al-Assad, uh, he's, he's done his little thing. He's been interrogated, and straight away they're all like, well, we've interrogated you for 30 minutes. That's all we need, you very bad terrorist who destroyed half the world with terrorism attacks. We are now shipping you to the president in the White House because if Osama bin Laden got to America, we'd just send him straight to Bush. Um, so we are sending you to Washington. Now, I've looked this up. Just wanted to confirm. Uh, it's a, a four-hour and 24-minute flight to uh, Los Angeles, just to, just to let you know. Um, so uh, I'll just confirm that. Uh, four hours and 50 minutes. It's nearly a five-hour flight. All right? So he's leaving just before 11 a.m. Even if, like, he leaves at quarter to 11, it's going to take him 20 minutes to get to the airport. I know he's on an Air Force. Realistically, he's not leaving till 11.30, maybe quarter to 12. So he shouldn't be in Washington to nearly 5 p.m., Give or take, you know, you'd probably say mm. that. He will be there by 1 p.m. <laughs> so he is in the Britney Spears of Jets. Um, just letting you know. Well, there's no, no more traffic in the skies. It's, it's like when you get like hey. an open road. Exactly. <laughs> no, no red, red lights. lights. Just, there were no red lights on the way from Washington to LA. <laughs> you're a smart man, Colin Hilding. <laughs> I got greens the whole way. I made it there by one. <laughs> Downhill. Um, <laughs> yeah. You're a very smart man, Colin. You solved the biggest <laughs> mistake this season. Um, look, where do I begin with this? I I, I think that I, I was never opposed to a family line of Jack. Never. Like, I, I get you've got to do it. They just, they go too far. They're like, mm-hmm. I don't want to use the line from Tropic Thunder. You never go full R word. Yeah. Um, but I think people know where I'm going with that. And, like, to me, it's, does Chloe, does Bill, does Milo... Know who Philip Bauer is. Like, mm-hmm. I know Bauer's not a Smith, but like, if all of a sudden something, like, I literally had someone come up to me. I think I told the story. I was at the Women's World Cup and I was in line and I was wearing my, I think I was wearing my Team Canada shirts. I had the name Waterworth on the back of my thing, right? Because I, I personalized my thing. I had a guy come up to me and he literally goes, Hey, are you Ben Waterworth? And I'm like, I yeah. am. Oh, I know your dad. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> do you? 
yeah, he was my teacher at like East Sydney High. And I'm like, no, he wasn't. Your dad was a teacher? No, he wasn't. Like, oh, okay, the there we go. He's like, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, mate, I'm from Tasmania. My dad is definitely not a teacher. <laughs> like, it was kind of freaky that my name was Ben Waterworth. He guessed Ben Waterworth and all that sort of stuff, but completely wrong, right? So, like, if you yeah. all of a sudden see the name Waterworth on a list, automatically, that's that's Ben's dad. Like, so <laughs> automatically jump down the thing. So, he's, you know, anyway, so there's that. Now, <laughs> it's just, you can tell that dramaticness of all of a sudden, and then you just introduce this, like, piano-like music. So when he calls Sam and you just hear this, Hi, Sam, it's Jack. Jack, we thought you were in China. Oh, my God, it's been forever. It's just so, like, I literally have turned into Days of Our Lives. It's so on the nose. And then you've got dramatic guy watching over the house. And then, like, I, I'm with you. It was a big dramatic twist when you see Graham. I'm like, oh, my God, it's the guy with the Bluetooth headset. Like, there he is. But my problems with it are is that I don't think they do it. Like, I'm not for one for, like, a dramatic cue. Like, I complain about that no time to die with a dling when, you know, Bond gives that cheesy over-the-top line. But, like, at least when we got Mandy reveal in Season 4, you kind of had at least a cue of a, <gasps> like, that's who it is. You need some sort of gaspy note to be, like, to give yeah. the audience a cue that this is a plot twist. You get nothing. They just, they kind of zoom out, and you're meant to imply straight away. And, again, I love Paul McCrane. You know I love Paul McCrane. But this is, like the weirdest casting in the world. And I, 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 I would love to get uh, John back on the show, other ones. And I'm pretty sure they have mentioned that this was never the plan for Paul McCrane mm-hmm. to be his brother. It was a thing written into it. And it's just what they do with this character is, again, I feel weird saying this because we don't know a lot about him last season, but they take away the mystery from him and they cheapen him. Because within five seconds of this guy, Bluetooth, Bluetooth headset controlling the president, basically making the president going to kill himself, goes to, like, suburban dad driving his SUV in the suburbs who's all like, oh, dad, yeah, I don't know where he is, lol. He's got lots of women, ha, you know, dad. <laughs> oh, here's my phone number. Call me if you need me. And it's just like, it just, uh, uh it just annoys me. I know we're going to get to even the worst stuff here, but, like, again, I see what they're doing. I understand it. I wasn't opposed to this, but you just, you don't go full R-word, and that's what they do with this plot line. Yeah, yeah. you know what, I actually just realize i'm like would this have worked even better because you do have some people in the audience who aren't going to remember this is specifically the guy who was in last season what his role was if they had just done a few more of those graham on the phone scenes you know just the shadowy guy answering a phone whether it be to fight or something else and then after doing that for the last one or two weeks you just have that scene where jack's dialing a number and then all of a sudden it's like, graham bauer speaking and then jack's like hello brother that would have been a great reveal. Like as somebody yeah. who's following the show, you get that reaction. But for casual audience, that would have actually been a really interesting way to do this. I agree with that. It would have, uh, been to, 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 it would have sold it to the audience. This is a big deal. Pay attention here. Um, so yeah, the, the rest of the stuff here, uh, Jack just calls Chloe to get the address of the house. He wants to surprise him. Uh, surprise. Um, Graham gets home. Birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Graham gets back and this is where you get the soap opera scene with him and Marilyn. Uh, yeah, you're a hundred percent right. It is like looking over the shoulder and, uh, Jack called me. It was like, what's with that look? And it's like, Oh, you think I don't remember? Stop being the jealous husband. It's very awkward. Like, makes me. I don't have like, like I, 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 having not rewatched this whole season ever. Um, I don't have really, really strong hatred feelings towards Marilyn, uh, I do remember being like, well, she's kind of bland. And then as the season progresses, you're like, I don't like this subplot with her and Jack at all. Uh, it's more just a distaste for the subplot. 
Um, having said that, I don't think Marilyn ever stood out as like a great character or a great actress. So we're not just, you know, criticizing young Josh here. This is where I'm willing to say it could be the material. Not ever because James, Cr I'll have similar complaints with James Cromwell and who doesn't love James Cromwell. But really the only one who's sort of free of this is Paul McCrane. And part of that is just Paul McCrane is so good at playing just these scummy villains. And we Paul have McCrane that in the last fit into a soap opera. Like that's what he can do. Yeah, he can exactly. do a good job with this sort of stuff. Yeah. I mean, right. by the time he was really into ER, it just became a soap opera anyways. So yeah, it, it, it works for some people. Um, but yeah, this, this the, let's start alluding towards this thing with Jack and him being this jealous husband. Uh, it doesn't work at all. You're diminishing Graham's appeal as a villain right away by doing this. Uh, although there is some good stuff, I will say, like having Jack show up at the house, him bluffing his way through it. Good to see you, brother. Give him the hug. And he's like, mm. by the way, we uh, we did try to make some calls to get you out of <laughs> that Chinese prison. Sorry it didn't work out for you. Um, I like that that stuff. And then Jack just like, uh, where's dad? You know, just uh, harassing him right away. And I was like, all right, Jack, I love the line that he has. It's like, you never can just show up and say hello, can you? <laughs> Whatever. Uh, he, he does say, how long has it been, Jack, since Terry died? Like, just this coldness from Kiefer and this playfulness almost from awkward playfulness from Paul McCrane's nice. Um, he punches him in the head. <laughs> Just because that's what Jack does. <laughs> uh, by the way, we do get introduced to Josh here. That's all we uh, really have to say about him. Comes down the stairs. Uh, you remember your Uncle Jack? It would have been a long time ago you saw him. Marilyn overlooking the staircase. Why don't you uh, go somewhere else and not be around my very attractive brother here that's tempting you? <laughs> um, but yeah, Jack, that's all we get from them. Jack punches him in the head, uh, knocks him out cold. Lovey goes to the lamp and you're immediately thinking, oh, this is just like with, with Paul, season four. He's <laughs> getting the lamp ready. Uh, and instead, when he comes to, he's basically tell me everything you know. And he's like, I don't know anything, Jack. And we end the episode off with uh, what I, I think is a decent cliffhanger. No. For a first no, again, for, for when you put yourself in the mindset of a four first watch, this is like, whoa, Jack. Now, you on a rewatch when you're criticizing everything. And like, we just saw Jack who's ready to quit. And now he's got this thing with his family. Even if you know, we know that there's some history with this family, he's obviously a little bit more in the no than some other people. Um, him jumping to the conclusion of I'm going to wrap a plastic bag around my brother's head. Uh, but it is a way to grab you as an audience member be like, Oh, I got to come back next week for this. So I think they succeed in what they're going for. Um, as an audience member who knows where the story goes and you're kind of dreading everything that's going to come after this. I still don't hate it. I still think it's like, ah, uh, you know, it's going to, it's going to definitely get worse from here. <laughs> that's the best thing to say, about it. it could definitely get worse from here, but it is a good way to grab an audience to get them to come back the next week. I just want to quickly add before I get to this, cause it's going to be all negative from here. Uh, I was reading in the book. Uh, thanks Tara. De Delula. It's not Delula. Sorry, Bennett. Um, there's an interview with James Cromwell and it actually starts at and says, while some people expect to keep his father, Donald Sutherland, because you know, he's, that's his father. Uh, to be cast <laughs> yeah, as Philip Bauer. Conflicting schedules didn't permit that to happen. So obviously we got John Cazar to say that in the reunion. But apparently like James Cromwell and Donald Sutherland are always fighting for each other's roles. Like uh, James Cromwell says, Kiva's father and I have this running thing because we are in the same group. I get things that he wants and he gets things that I want. I turn down things and he does them and then I do them. He didn't hmm. do commander in chief. And who was uh, the Donald Sutherland was in commander in chief. So I kind of find that funny. Um, Look, I just, uh, like, this scene between Marilyn and Graham and Josh, like, I, I really, I really am so sorry that Evan Ellingson died this week. I really, really fucking mm -hmm. am because I just, I can't not be annoyed by this kid as soon as he comes on screen and he has this, like, look, and Dad comes in, Dad, there's a bomb. Like, oh, what are we going to do? And then, like, just, like, go upstairs. Your mother and I need to talk. Like, 
where does this come from? So like, why did Graham gets a phone call from Jack? And it's all like, oh, you know, like, why does he straight away come in and be like, go upstairs, I need to talk to your mother. So we haven't heard from Jack in nine years and he called me. You fucked him, you bitch. <laughs> and it's like, that was nine years ago, Graham. Doesn't matter, I'm a very jealous man. I'm going to do a dramatic head turn to the camera. And then she's all like, oh, I... <laughs> Jesus, hello, Jamie. Uh, if, if she actually heard what we were talking about, she'd be laughing too. Mocking your husband. You threw me out of my groove. Um, and then like, she's just like, oh, it's unattractive that you're doing this. Like, well, why does this come from? This straightaway cheapens Paul McCrane's character in an instant. He's a... I'm not saying yeah. he's a badass, but the guy in Bluetooth controlling the president to, oh, you had sex with my brother years ago. That's Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Why do we, like, I get Kiefer and Jack is a very attractive man. Who wouldn't want to sleep with him? But, like, why is this a plot point? Like, it's just, it's just so dumb. And, like, why do you shove it down our throats immediately? And then when Jack yeah. shows up, it's just... I'm all for Sean Callery. I love his music, but I just I hate this like dramatic days of our lives, like family score that is created for this. Because even then, when, like I, I, I completely disagree with you. I hate this stuff with Jack and Graham when he's I'm like, oh, ha, ha, lol, dad's been fucking other women. Who knows where he is? Ha, I oh, remember that time. Graham, I don't want to hear your stupid stories. Like, I get what- You don't feel the tension between them with like <sighs> Graham- it's, being pretty smooth, he's actually being pretty smooth in him covering for the awkwardness and Jack just not having it. I get it, but like, I kind of like your idea of bring this guy in after a few more scenes because it just feels so forced. Yeah. That's my issue. Like, we've literally been introduced to Jack's family, and within five seconds, we've got this dynamic. Like, give us an episode before Jack like starts choking him with a plastic bag. Like, it's just, mm-hmm. and then I hate this scene between Jack and Josh. Remember your uncle? Oh, maybe we can talk later. I would like that, knowing how annoying this fucking shit becomes. Josh, the character, not the actor. Yeah. Rest in peace, Evan. Not, not, not um, the dead guy. Just it, just it, it, it uh, grinds my gears. And then even just like this knowing stare, the Jack and Marilyn stare with each other. Like you've literally just brought in an emotional call by mentioning Terry's name. Don't let that sit by thinking, oh, but Jack was fucking other women before Terry. Like I mean, you know, we all did. Like, I mean, not before Terry. All like, of us before Terry. <laughs> <laughs> We've all had our turn with Terry. <laughs> <laughs> the character, not the actor. Um, but she just doesn't remember it. Um, but <laughs> That's not nice, Ben. Um, but then, like, we just go into this scene. And again, you go full R-word. Like, it's just straight away. Like, you get Jack, like, getting a lamp. And then just he's, like, he's getting a plastic bag. And, like, it's just, like... I know, I know what you're saying as watching this live, a cliffhanger, but this just falls into the box of writer's room. We've got a list of things we want Jack to do. We want him to rob a convenience store. We want him to hijack a plane. We want him to be a vampire. We want him to have road rage. Like it just, it falls into that category of all of these things that we want Jack to do at some point in a life. I reckon they've turned around and they've gotten two different separate sections here where it's like Jack, plastic bag, Jack, brother. So they've looked at those plot points and gone, hmm, what if we combine the two of them? That would be a good way of doing it. And they just go yeah. full on. Like, and again, this is another one of those elements where in hindsight, what reason does Jack have to torture his brother? He literally got a tip off saying that his dad was connected to a potential terrorist 
Like, again, this is just the MO. There were 12 other people on that list. Why isn't he torturing 12 other people's brothers? Like, it's just automatically, let's go full R word to do this because it's Jack's family. If this was just Jack Jenkins in San Diego, is he really going to go straight full on there? And it's just, it's just, it's just frustrating. And you're only doing this because this is Jack's brother. This is where I think you need to sit on this for another episode or like give some more things like have him leave and come back or investigate other things because you're just, you're just going straight down the gurgler of our throats with it. And this is where this issue, like it's just such an issue with this season because again, there are ways you can bring in Jack's family. There are ways you can bring in elements of connections to Jack that are a little bit more. I said about a Henderson last year, even Henderson, they let it simmer for an episode or two before you went, you know, full on whatever. And even then I think mm-hmm. they didn't explore as enough as they did with Hen- Jack's former mentor. It's just, you've literally given to this in 15 minutes. We've discovered he's got a dad who is remotely connected to terrorist plot. And then he's putting a plastic bag over Graham's head. It's just, it's terrible. It's very, very bad. I think it's a little bit easier to accept when we know we sat through Paul where he was willing to torture him with, with no good reason yeah. just because, Oh, we have the slightest connection. I, 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 but again, this is his family. Now, of course there's history he might know a little bit more than everybody else, but you're still not going to immediately put a bag over his head. No, no, and no, I, I think if if, yeah. if you're going to sell the audience on the fact that, well, Jack just knows them better, then Graham wouldn't be putting on the charade of, how's it going, Jack? Graham would just be, all right, Jack, just do what you have to do. Yes, you're right. But the two differences there is with Paul, we had a whole lead up to that with Audrey trying to get information out of it. So we didn't just go full on into Jack torturing yeah. with a lamp. And secondly, we don't know that Jack knows there's history there because we've had three scenes on the phone We've just said, we haven't seen each other in nine years. This is where we need more context to why he's doing it. Maybe there were deleted yeah. scenes. I don't know. But this is the thing. You, you, you're you 100% right in what you said, but we there's, there's other ways of doing this, which is just so forced and on the nose. And that's where there's a massive issue. And this is where this season has literally gone off a cliff in the blink of an eye. Um, I, I don't have much else to add on this episode, uh, other than I, I, there are a couple of points in this where I'm like, wow, they, they definitely had a lot of scenes that happen off camera, like the, all the interrogation of, uh, Assad and all the stuff with Waleed, uh, and we're going to use him as a mole and all that. So there may be a lot of these scenes. I wish I'd had the opportunity to watch the deleted scenes with this episode, but I didn't have the time. Um, uh, but yeah, this, this entire episode does feel like there's probably a lot of deleted stuff there. Um, I actually was curious. I don't know if we've addressed this before, like trying to figure out what it was what Donald Sutherland was doing that made him unavailable for this. And the only thing I could find that he had that came out this year or would have been filming around the same time is, you know, the movie rain over me with Don Cheadle and mm-hmm. Adam Sandler, like a post nine 11 movie. Good movie. I've seen that. So yeah, that's, that's the only thing that he would have been doing around this time that would have made him unavailable. He read the uh, script. Um, well, maybe not actually. <laughs> Hold on. Uh, he was on a TV show with Peter Krause called Dirty Sexy, oh, Dirty Sexy Money. Money. Yeah. I remember that. That was yeah. kind of the new desperate housewives. I used to watch that. Didn't, didn't do very well. Yeah, no, I, I. So I guess he had he had two things at that time made him uh, unavailable. Well, I'm pretty sure I remember when this season was launched that they did announce that he's like there would be a Jack Bauer father storyline, and I'm pretty sure I like. Please, fans, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't know if they announced James Cromwell straight away. So I think a lot of people are expecting it to be Donald Sutherland. Um, yeah. But I mean, like, I I would be so like if Donald Sutherland was. I'm not. I love James Cromwell. Of course I do. But, like, the fact of the matter is if it was Donald Sutherland and it was very hammy, I think Donald Sutherland would have handled the material a lot better than James Cromwell. And that's what we would. I mean, we just saw him a couple of weeks ago yeah. bash a kid up, for God's sakes, um, and well, kill a cat. I mean, <laughs> you know, listen to our 1900 recap. The, 
But this is this is also something we've talked about a little bit already is the miscasting of James Cromwell. We're going to talk a lot more when we get there. But James Cromwell's played a villain before. He had just, I mean, well, it was like a decade earlier, but he'd done LA Confidential. Mm. But again, that was a very different type of villain. He's not suited for this. Donald Sutherland is. And and now he's just like he played Prince Philip and George Bush, two people that do not remotely look like each other. And apparently he <laughs> looks like them. But um, yeah, I mean, look, we'll get to him, obviously. And I think like as much as I hate Ricky Schroeder in this season, I kind of almost feel Ricky Schroeder would have been a better looking Jack's brother than Paul McCrane. Like that's a weird thing. And <laughs> Ricky Schroeder's not a great actor, but like, I mean, um, he's terrible in this season, but I don't know, like more on the nose. But anyway, one, one See, fact, the, the trivia, there's not really a lot on this episode, but on IMDb, uh, it says that if you look at the list of names that Chloe brings up, the first name on the list is actually John Kazar. So uh, there you oh, go. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> He's definitely a terrorist. Why is it Jack putting a plastic bag on John Kazar's head? <laughs> no more action scenes. <laughs> um, yeah, so th- we we basically covered all the trivia then because we already talked about the Eddie Izzard thing. Uh, and um, uh, this is the 125th episode of the series. Mm. We're at 125. Uh, Which means we're we'll seven to- episodes away from bake- breaking the Oz Network's record of longest series uh, ever covered. There you go. There we go. By by the end of this year, I guess. Uh, well, will it be the end of this year? Or will that be our Just new year? Uh, on the yeah. Cut. So, th- our, yeah. Maybe our last episode of the year will be the longest Oz Network uh, recap ever. Not the longest recap ever. <laughs> That's been done. This or we're done with the that. The longest recap ever. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll never do anything that long again. Uh, but uh, far as like I said, I I kind of gave it away. I'm not Ow. buying this. I'm not binning it. Ow. I'm renting it. I. I did now. I didn't even think. Oh, this it's not one of these things where I'm like, this is gonna be a low rent. I sort of look through every five or whatever episodes, what the episode was, and then I'm like, oh, I definitely rank it lower than that, lower than that. And uh, where I settled on was a lower ranking. Um, but uh, let me try to find the exact number that I have it at here. Um, do you want to fill us in on what you're doing as oh. I cover for the children screaming upstairs? Bin, 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 all the way, bin. And, um, I mean, you and I have had differing opinions. I know, like, I think one of the, uh, what, the, um, the episode last season, which is in my top three or top four, you had, like, lower, and then there's even one this season. Uh, just to rem- remind people, last week, I ranked last week's episode at number seven overall so far. Mm. That will end up at number nine on my list overall of all 216 of these episodes. In our 125th episode... The worst episode that I've ever ranked is the Cougar episode, episode 11 of season two. This falls in at 124, one spot above the Cougar episode. This is the second worst episode to me in 24 at this time. Trust me, in a couple wow. of weeks, that will be broken. Um, and this will end overall at the grand total of 194 out of 216. But I'm looking here right now. There is still one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten more episodes of this season that will be worse than this episode. So uh, as much as I do not like this episode, um, it, there is worse to come. But yeah, as of right now, Colin Hilding, I am saying this is the second worst episode of 24 in the history of the show. Yeah, I think that's really underselling how good the opening stuff is. Because the opening stuff, it is a large chunk of the episode. It is a third of it. So when when one third of the episode is worth a buy, I don't think that could have been the episode. I mean, I, I definitely couldn't rank it that low. My, my ranking is number 87 overall. Uh, so 87 out of 125. And that is mostly made up of that, you know, first uh, 15 minutes or whatever. Uh, which again, big chunk of the episode. And I don't, there's a lot of stuff I don't hate in here. And a lot of stuff I do hate is because it's where it's going to go. And I don't want to judge the episode too much on that. It's funny. Though, I'm looking at my rankings here. And I think this is the first time it's happened. 
Uh, it's a mix of AM and PM, but I have three 10 to 11 episodes in a row. Hmm. My number 85 is season two's 10 AM to 11 uh, AM. And then my number 86 is season five's 10 PM to 11 PM. So I got a 10 AM to 11 AM, 10 PM to 11 PM, and then a 10 AM to 11 AM. So next time we get to 10, 11, it's got to be in this block here of 85 to 87. Interesting. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but I, I go in the complete opposite direction. The bad in this is so bad that it overshadows the good. That's That's the way I look at it. So you're... Clearly, you're a glass half full man. I'm a glass half empty man. But uh, positive. Well, I'm a news. glass one third full because a third of it was good. <laughs> positive news next week. I will say that next episode is slightly better by only uh, just a few spots on my overall list. So um, <laughs> slightly better, <laughs> but still terrible. So I mean, tease. We we got the the Walid storyline that's going to be wrapping up or or starting to the the major conclusions going to be coming next week. Um, other stuff that's uh, going on. What do we get? We Pretty get. Pretty sure we um, get James Cromwell for the next time. Next first time next week, if I'm not mistaken. Do we really? We do. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You're right. Uh, so and we um, get Chad Lowe next week. Reed, the evil Reed next week. Are you excited for some Chad Lowe? The other Lowe. Oh, the other Lowe. I actually, I actually, I mean, the other Lowe of this season is. A, I actually don't mind Chad Lowe, but um, like his character is no. a bit of an interesting one. But uh, no, we get him for the first time next week. So Chad and James. I, I'm a big enough Rob Lowe fan that like um, uh, Jamie puts stuff, saves like, oh, potentially, okay, this will put this on hold at the library. And the two things she put on hold for me was one of Michael J. Fox's many autobiographies and Rob Lowe's autobiography. Uh, so I'm a big enough Rob Lowe fan that anybody associated with Rob Lowe is good in my book. So go Chad Lowe. Um, he's yeah, so we, we got some. Come on. <laughs> of course he's a Chad. I, only, I found that out recently that the Chad was like the male version of a Karen. And it's funny because there was a Chad that we used to work with that we would always just mock. Just one of those people you just mock and they'd laugh at it. Uh, if you're going to pick on somebody, it's always going to be Chad. So when I found out, I'm like, of course it had to be Chad. I think Chad. I mentioned during our Freddy Got Fingered episode, if you ever watched Charlie's Angels, the thing is, was it the Chad? No, the Chad was great. Um, yeah, you'll get that if you've seen Charlie's Angels. Uh, we will be back with uh, Back to the Future 3 this week as well. We wrapping up Back to the Future month mm -hmm. and um, maybe a review of the Marvels coming out soon too. And Adoni, um, hopefully this week or the next, we'll have a chat with uh, yeah, Bayad himself. Well, our first first interview, was James Morrison the last one that we had? Uh, I think it's so. An official interview, not Te the reunion. Yeah, not the reunion. would have been. It's been a while since we've had a, a 24 uh, uh, actor on the show. So, um, yeah, no, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure it would have been. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, obviously at the time of... Uh, us doing this we haven't actually um done the interview actually no our last chat was with uh with um uh with fuck uh, Jacqueline Rosen uh with Janet so technically uh, uh even we're forgetting about poor old Janet now like come on I feel bad but no uh, it will be good to have uh him uh an actor on the show and sorry that I forgot about Janet uh so stay tuned for some exciting stuff coming up and um, we'll be back next week with the less exciting stuff as season six continues. Oh. My name is Colin, and you want to help me boot up some routers? And my name is Ben, and stop talking now! Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at the Oz network.net. 
Thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff? Yes, sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. That's right. Your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. (laughs) 